Here's Chavinko. Lovely ball through towards Altidore. Altidore! Toronto FC's big acquisitions combine to tie the game. Josie Altidore. The Two Solitude Soccer Podcast with Dwayne Rollins and Kevin Laramie. The award-winning soccer podcast that covers every single aspect of Canadian soccer. And now, without further ado, here's Dwayne Rollins. And welcome to the Two Solitudes Podcast. I am Dwayne Rollins. I'm in Toronto, as always. Kevin Laramay, he's in Montreal, as he often is. He won't be in Montreal next week. We're still working out how we're going to do that. I may have a, a guest coast in here. I may host it myself. We may get Kevin on for a little bit. But in the meantime, we have him for this week. So how are you, Kevin? Doing great. Slowly packing my things. I'm going golfing if weather permits because, yes, we're heading down south. But uh, unfortunately, we're heading in the same place where a hurricane just passed by. So uh, hopefully the gulf is dry. Yeah, they had the equivalent of a year's rain in three days down in the Carolinas. But uh, well, you you have fun down there, Kev. Did you bring your swimming suit? I'm bringing my swimming suit and a paddle, so I should be fine. Yeah, there you go. Um, John Eden, Canucks Abroad, he joins us for our monthly Canucks Abroad segment, which takes place during the international breaks. Uh, we, we had that conversation already. We uh, went around the world for Canadians, talked to a little Ottawa Fury as well. So thanks to John for joining us, and we'll bring him on in a second. We're also going to sort of talk a little bit about the C-League and talk a little bit about the potential there and whether or not this is a play. If you've been listening to me on Soccer Morning and the pod- and the conversation we had with Jonathan Tannenwall a couple of weeks ago, we're going to explore that a little bit more. Is this really just a play to get Canadians as domestics league wide um do they do these owners really want to get into a C league or do some of them maybe think that the MLS is still the way to go so we're going to explore that a little bit we're going to break down the U23's win over Panama big win there by the time you listen to this they would probably well have played the Cuba game we're going to go ahead and assume they're going to beat Cuba Cuba lost 6-1 to the United States that's probably a dangerous assumption but they likely also have probably lost four or five more players by the time kickoff happens tonight because that's how Cuba goes we'll do that in the Canadian review where we'll also talk about the Fury's big win over Edmonton TFC's big win over Philadelphia, Montreal failing to help Toronto out, and the Whitecaps continued struggles, kind of, but maybe that point was enough. All of that in our Canadian review. Until then, Kevin, roll the bumper. Canucks abroad with John Eden on the Two Solitudes Soccer Podcast. Listen up, Canadians, it's time to heed the call. Our destiny's before us, and never thinking small. But when you two can grab a flag, it's time to colonize. I think the other nations will be quite surprised. When Canada rules the world, Canada, Canada. And welcome back to our monthly Canucks Abroad segment with John Eden. John, thanks for joining us today. Oh, it's always a pleasure. Good to be here. All right, well, let's just throw it to you. You're the expert here. What is the biggest news in, in the Canadians abroad front from this past month? Well, one big news item that I'd like to list is that Ian Hume won uh, Best Foreign Player of the Year last year at uh, in the Indian Super League. So the league just announced that just ahead of um, um, going into their second season. So that might come to a surprise to some, but Ian Hume is a superstar in India and they, they absolutely love him over there. Yeah. Well, and Hume was, uh, he was on the championship team, I believe. Was he not? Uh, they lost the final last oh. year. Uh, he was with Kerala blasters and now he joined the team that actually won Atletico del Cata. Oh. Um, so he's going to be, uh, in the, uh, in the team that won it last year, trying to win it again. Uh, th- there's an interesting talking point, and then I'll let Kevin jump in here, John. Uh, I mean, Ian Hume's gone to India. Uh, we see a couple players here and there that have sort of played in the Asian leagues. Do you think there's any chance we may see more Canadians go to those leagues in the in the near future? Uh, I don't see why not. As long as there is no viable alternative at home, frankly, Canadians will go anywhere where there's a paycheck and where they get regular play. So... Like I don't think it's uh, it's unheard of that another Canadian may join. I mean, we have a Fury player, Colin Falvey, our center back, that's starting every week. He's he's not Canadian, but uh, he's an Irish lad, and he was in India last year. So it's an attractive place for anyone to go to because the stadiums are full. It's a complete circus. Like people are nuts. <laughs> like it, it, I, I recommend tuning in like it's it's insane i mean you have player coaches that are 37 38 years old you, 
you have players playing in there that, that were famous like in the mid 90s and all of a sudden they're like dragging themselves over the pitch again like it makes for great entertainment <laughs> uh, one thing that always interests us here it's the amount of playing time that the Canadians do get abroad uh, we were talking earlier John uh, Kevin Allman is getting more playing time yeah this is a great story uh, Kevin Illman is a really good is in the good team in, in Costa Rica he plays for Herediano who are now in second place in the first division of Costa Rica former and... opponent of Montreal in the CONCACAF Champions League in the prior years So we know oh, them, okay. we, yeah, yeah. We know them actually, a lot here in Montreal. Actually, and uh, Harry Hediano just won 5-3 against uh, Alujuluense. Alujuluense, <laughs> si. The Liga opponent Deportiva. that you had uh, in the quarterfinal. No, I think semifinal. Semifinals, yes. Yeah, and um, which is great because that was in the cup. So his team is actually going to be in the cup final. And another great story was that He was loaned to another team called Belen the year before, and uh, when he played for Herediano, he actually scored against his former club, you know, which is always great. So, yeah, things are looking up for him, and uh, considering some of the players that, that are in that squad, I mean, they have players like Gabriel Gomez, who's you know has been the starter for Panama and so on. I mean, that guy doesn't play the same position on him uh, as him, but he's been benched and uh, Ilman is starting. And given that we don't have a lot of creativity uh, typically in the Canadian national team, this is a player that we got to keep on our radar, and he's he's got a lot of potential. Uh, before we move on to the countries where we have more Canadian playing in them. Can you touch a little bit about England in the last few weeks? Is there any Canadian that had more playing time in the lower division in the, either the championship or in League One or two? Yeah, well, League One is the place you got to look at for Canadians. Um, so Haber actually scored today in the League One game uh, for, for Crew. Um, David Edgar has been starting every match for Sheffield United, uh, as well as um, Seaman Jackson hasn't played much, but he's, he makes the squats at least. Um, and then you have Swiss-Canadian goalkeeper Jason Lloyd-Wheeler, who plays for Shrewsbury Town. He, he was injured uh, for a couple weeks, but he's back in it now. He's like the undisputed number one goalkeeper. If you go higher up in the championship, as you probably know, Junior Hoylett, not really uh, getting much playing time currently. Um, actually has a hard time making the match day squad. Some uh, cynics may argue that this would be the perfect time to commit to Canada, <laughs> but uh, let's not go there. Uh, and then if you and he did, high... sorry, <laughs> and he did, <laughs> yeah, and he did, uh, which is great for Canada, in my view, um, because he still offers a lot uh, going forward, which is something we're not good at, and uh, our pool isn't very deep. So if we can cap tie him, you know, the more the merrier. Um, Donnell Henry, he's not played at all, whether. Uh, Uh, not played for the first team, nor the, nor the development squad. Not sure what's going on there. Yeah, John, I was going to ask about Henry. Uh, do you think it might just be an injury problem? I mean, his injury didn't sound that serious, so I'm not sure what's going on. Like, I'm, I was hoping that during that emergency loan period that, that opens up in England, they have this special rule where you can loan out players on short-term loans even though the transfer window is closed that he would go to a lower division side for half a season or a season. But that didn't happen. So um, I'm having my eyes uh, peeled on the winter break and, and hoping that he will be loaned elsewhere for a while. All right. Let's move it uh, away from uh, from the island for a little bit and, and look at the, the keeper situation. Can you just give us an update on, on how Canada's uh, keepers are doing? Yeah, I mean, if you want to look at success stories for Canadian keepers, you got to go to Scandinavia. I mean, you have uh, Tomer Czerninski, who's uh, who's playing in, in Sweden right now. He's uh, playing really well. Almost all his games are, are clean sheets. It's crazy. And you, you, if you're looking at um, um, Norway, you have Simon Thomas. No, sorry. Um, yeah, Simon Thomas is also playing quite well there. Uh, A, a keeper that's no longer really on the radar for the Canadian national team and is not making the squad anymore is, is Lars Hirschfeld. Um, but uh, th there's a couple good keepers. And Kenny, uh, whose Greek last name I always fail to pronounce, so <laughs> maybe you guys can do just, it for just me. Call him, just call him Kenny. Stand <laughs> yeah, Kenny is uh, not getting too many matches anymore for AIK, but he did have a period where he did play uh, quite a bit. 
Um, but he's playing for a top club, so that's good. And then the the best story, uh, I would say, is Milan Borjan, who is still getting the start ahead of that Bulgarian national team keeper at Ludogorets in the Bulgarian first division. And, I mean, they're the best team in Bulgaria. They have high ambitions. And for, for a Canadian to get playing time in front of a Bulgarian, that's fantastic. I think that there's no doubt, John, that the, the best Canadian abroad by far is Atipa Hutchison. That's a fair assessment, I assume, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. just look at the FIFA ratings, right? <laughs> they, they always are the, the be-all, tell-all. Um, just do, do you think that Atiba's at his last stop, or, or is there another other move for him, or is that move maybe back here? Um, I don't know. I mean, he was linked with West Ham, I think, I'm pretty sure, in, in the last transfer period. I would have liked to see him in England because it's a league that's easier for us to follow. Um, but I think he's still got a couple of years left at a high level. Um, is he going to go necessarily to a team that's, that's better than Besiktas? I don't think so. But if he can get another couple of years where, uh, where he's at, I think he'll be happy. The fans love him. He starts every match. He usually has strong performances. And Turkey is a great place to play, right? Like best atmosphere arguably in in europe and asia you know besides you know some stadiums in south america probably some of the best atmospheres in the world and great climate basically no taxes great salaries like why not you know add a couple years to that contract yeah exactly uh one player that we had on this show earlier this year that's playing in uh, israel to saint ricketts what can you tell us about to saint ricketts lately uh, Tuzan Ricketts is actually not in Israel this year. He's in the second division, Turkey. Uh, yeah, that's why I asked you. The last news <laughs> that we had uh, was when he made the move to uh, Aifa Hopel. So. Yeah, no, he's at Boluspor now in the second division of Turkey. It's not a great team, to be honest. Like they're they're fighting relegation already, and it's just the beginning of the season. It's tough for him there. Uh, it's a move I don't really understand. I mean, this is like an important player for us. Like, I would be surprised if he starts uh, in the game versus Ghana. And here he is in, in, in a second division that's really not one of the better second divisions in Europe. So I'm hoping uh, that this will just be like a, a sort of a stop where he, he is to, to, be, to stay fit for a while and then move on to, to somewhere else. And it's also a, a tough team to follow because... That kind of stuff is you can't find any streaming, and you know the Twitter account is, is like operated by a volunteer or something. So, not a great place for for me to track. <laughs> John, uh, ever all the attention was on Junior Holad and his commitment to Canada when the the roster was announced. But there was another player that there was some questions about in Fraser Aird that did commit. Has he been getting any more time with Rangers? Or and, and if not, is it time for him to maybe look to find somewhere else to play? Um, he's the kind of player who gets subbed on if they're already winning four or five nothing. He maybe gets like the last twenty minutes of playing time. Or they still play him in the development squad because he's still young enough to do that. Uh, I don't think it's yet time to move just because it's such a great location, right? I mean, it's the Rangers. They may get promoted. I mean, most likely they will. Um, but is he a little bit uh, out of his league there? I would say yes. I, I, I wouldn't put your hopes too highly on, on Fraser Aird. I mean, it, like if you look at his Twitter followers, he's like almost as famous as Justin Bieber, it seems like. But... Uh, yeah, he's he's a good player, but he, you know if you have difficulty making it in the second Scottish division, you're you're not gonna be like a superstar anytime soon. Yeah, I, he he's an absolute superstar on my football manager of twenty or football manager fifteen team, John. I I took Rangers to uh, the Scottish Premiership, and he was a key component. So you're telling me that football manager doesn't mirror real life? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that the makers are Protestants, so they have the Rangers go going really well all the time. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Let's move it to something closer to home and away from your uh, from the wheelhouse here while we still have time. You are, of course, an Ottawa Fury uh, supporter. Uh, you watch that team closely. Exciting times with them clinching the first playoff berth. Just uh, just how exciting, how excited are the supporters there about the Fury and uh, they're they're entering the playoffs. Oh, we're, of course, very excited. Before I get into that, I just want to mention a, a couple of side notes, just a few things to make this section complete. I won't talk long. I know we're already running over time. Okay. But I just want to mention that uh, Camilo Males, who was in the Peru in the second division, he terminated uh, 
the contract with his club because they failed to pay him to pay him in wages, which happens a lot. Uh, actually, the Canadian players don't get paid wages. There were big cases like that uh, in in, uh, in Turkey and elsewhere. Anyway, uh, I wanted to talk about Bryce Alderson quickly, who who was injured in preseason, but he's now back from injury. Um, he's finally made his debut for Fortuna Düsseldorf 2 in Germany's fourth division. Um, and then Matteo Restrepo, who finally got his work permit and was ready to play for the FC Ingolstadt U19 team. That's the Ingolstadt is that team that got promoted the Bundesliga this year. So that's something to look out for. Um, Orlando uh, Matheson joined Harbour VFC in Jamaica, if you're into a Jamaican league. And uh, a Canadian player won a cup. Um, probably didn't cause a lot of attention this way, but uh, Nathaniel Foster Bowen, who actually uh, plays in Eastern Suburbs AFC, which I believe is in uh, Auckland, New Zealand, he won the uh, ASB Chatham Cup. And if uh, my Wikipedia research is correct, that is like their biggest cup competition, sort of like the FA Cup of New Zealand. And, um, yeah, that pretty much sums it up. Uh, I do have one question for uh, Kevin there, uh, and that's I read in an interview that Kamara will become a Canadian citizen soon, and he, he said he's interested in playing for Canada. You think this is a realistic uh, proposal? Maybe it'll be the same case like Wandrille Lefebvre, who is a guy actually going to make his debut, uh, what, tonight? So, uh, yeah, Wandrille Lefebvre uh, became a citizen earlier this year. Camara could follow in his footsteps because they've been living and working here for uh, five, six years. I think it's Camara since 2011, so it's coming up on the five years now. So uh, it's probably a possibility you see him for the national team eventually, yes? Awesome. Yeah, yeah. You have to have uh, your landed uh, certificate for five years, I believe, now before you and can they, apply. And they both have that. So, yeah. So yeah. that's why Wadri Lefebvre got called up this time around because he yeah, already I, had that, yeah. I think it is an important conversation. A lot of people look at that and look at the possibility of bringing foreign players in I mean, having them play for the Whitecaps, the Impact, or TFC for long enough to qualify. But it's you pretty much have to bring them in when they're kids to to have any significant impact in, in the national team picture, right? Oh, exactly. And uh, Wadri Lefebvre came in when he was a kid. He, almost, he quit on his career when he was younger. Then he went to uh, university. And eventually went to the Montreal Impact uh, sister club, the Attack, back then, which graduated and transformed to the academy, went to that system, and uh, now he's with the big club. So, yeah, he probably, he is, he considers himself a Canadian. He has a citizenship now, and it's just a, a, the following logic to just see him in the national team now. So, uh, Kamara probably will be the same path. Uh, it's maybe a little different because a little older, but we'll see. All right, John, answer the question that I asked you a minute ago about about the excitement level in Ottawa and how far you think they can go, and then tell us how to read your stuff. Okay, absolutely. So, yeah, in Ottawa, we're more than pumped. Uh, we just beat Edmonton on the weekend, as you'll probably get into in the uh, Canadian Review later on in this podcast, I would imagine. Um, yeah, everybody is absolutely excited. Tickets are going on sale uh, for the first two weekends in November. Hopefully, we'll be hosting the semifinal, which looks like we might. Um, today, the Fury actually announced that they signed four players to the team. They're all Canadian. Three of them are academy players that uh, Kevin might be familiar with because some of them played for uh, Montreal FC in the USL. And we also uh, we also picked up Jeremy Gagnon Lapare on loan, which is a great backup for us because um, Julien de Guzman will <clears throat> be away with the national team the next uh, uh, week or so for the national team break and uh, we had a player retire earlier this year so we're a little bit stretched in that uh, defensive midfielder position so it'll be great to have him you know for the end of the season and hopefully for the next uh, part uh, for next year as well and for him for JGL what's good is he basically played more with uh, FC Montreal this year than with the big club this way he's going to get more playing time with the NASL without losing the possibility of him doing better at the training camp of either the Montreal Impact or uh, Fury or even FC Montreal next uh, spring. All right, so you wanted me to tell you where you can find my work. Um, so you can find us on Twitter at Canucks underscore abroad. If you look at the pinned tweet, you will find the location for the current Canadian men's national team player pool. So that's all Canadian players, male and female, um, abroad and domestic. And if you're into Fury stuff, I'm also hosting a podcast called Our Sister Fury. And you can find that on Twitter also at OIT Fury. 
Thanks again, guys, for having me. You are listening to the Two Solitude Soccer Podcast with Dwayne Rollins and Kevin Laramie on the Sports Podcast Network. You want to support the network? Patreon.com slash Kevin Laramie. With your help, we could do more. More shows, more sports, more solitudes. Ah. And welcome back. I'm going to continue to put my neck out in the line. I, I realize, folks, that uh, if for some reason something happens and the C-League blows up, that uh, it's going to make me look like an idiot because I've been talking about it like it's happening for a year now, basically. Uh, for a um, couple of months, for sure. <laughs> yeah. It, and look, there's a lot of noise. There's too much noise for it not to be real. And I'm where I'm getting this from, all I can tell you is that the sourcing is very high. And it's multiple and it's really not fictional, folks. So, you know, if you're they're worried about that, people that are that think that I make this stuff up haven't really looked at my history and uh, they don't listen to me anyway. So the people that are listening to me, believe me. So we'll just move on. But Kevin and I was like, oh, well, should we talk about this more? Because, you know, maybe, you know, if there's another delay and blah, blah, blah. I think um, so we're going to have a sea league conversation a little bit. There's a, not really news so much, but a few things that I can maybe clarify and talk about because it's been about six weeks since we like talked about it, Kevin. Um, the announcement date, I think the most likely scenario that you can look at now in my mind is to sort of target around the Grey Cup because the ownership that's coming in are basically CFL guys. So don't think of things in soccer things so much. Think of them with who's buying in and when it would make sense for them to make an announcement that they're going to basically be make, announcing extensions to their CFL brand. And uh, that may not be the most thrilling thing for uh, soccer fans to think that they're going to be tied into the CFL, especially with the Argos and TFC uh, nonsense. But uh, it's the reality and the money's there for that. Um, one thing that if you listen to my soccer morning uh, interview with Jonathan Tannenwall yesterday, which if you haven't, you can get it on um, Backheel or on iTunes for the Soccer Morning podcast. Yeah. Just search Soccer Morning. You'll, you'll, uh, you'll find it on any podcatchers out there. Yeah, I had a 30-minute conversation with Jonathan, which was largely about these kind of issues. So I thought it extended a little bit more here on this show. Um, Jonathan is pretty convinced that there is a possibility that there's a bit of a political play here as well from the CSA, that it may not just be entirely about launching a league, that it might also be about making Canadians domestics in the American League as well. Um, I don't... I'm not going to say that's wrong because I've heard similar things in the past that they need more leverage to make that issue on the forefront. But I also think that it's also in their minds important that they go their own route. Um, Kevin, let me ask you this. Let's go this angle. If the CSA were offered tomorrow to be to have Canadian players um, domestics league wide in MLS, in your mind, would that be enough to completely back off the C-League proposals and instead focus on getting more cooperation with American MLS teams to get more Canadians playing. Would that be enough for, for your mind to, to sort of drop this project? I think it would be a step in the right direction. I think it would be like a, a, the mending of the fences. I think it would probably help the relationship of the Canadian Soccer Association and MLS and maybe... The relationship more MLS towards the CSA, which a partnership more than an obstacle, which over the years MLS has become more an obstacle to the CSA than a partnership. And on the individual club level, what I've been hearing on the grassroots in Montreal and a little bit in Toronto, but more in Montreal, which is I'm more aware of what's going on. There's a more direct relationship with the CSA and the MLS club that has started with the USL partnership this year with the uh, scouting of the players in Montreal. It was a hundred times what it used to be, the amount of Canadian scouts scouting the young Montreal Impact Academy players. And I think that's where it needs to start. So I don't know if actually MLS should be included in this, but it's, it's almost a club by club situation where certain academies are actually trying to mend the fences with the CSA by themselves to get their kids involved in that in that system of National League, the national team. Now, you need spots for them in MLS if you want them to perform at the high level and to become the best that they can be. And for that, you need for them to to help and not an obstacle. When I say obstacle, is the fact that a Canadian is considered foreign when he's in the States and an American that's in Canada is not. So those situations eventually are going to become more big obstacles. So now I think it's time to... At least it's it's the first step to go there. Yeah, the contrarian would say that 
Carl Wimatt is, is a player that they would look at and they would say, yeah. that, well, he, he landed on his feet. But he landed on his feet with a, with a kind of. With a manner, well, yeah, it's still mostly kind of splitting time between the Red Bulls and and the USL team there, and I think it's because Jesse Marsh liked the kid basically yeah. and gave him a chance. So I would question whether another player in similar, uh, in a similar situation, would get that opportunity again. I mean, Kyle Becker was and, lucky uh, enough to get traded. Dwayne, but- sorry to interrupt you, Dwayne, but just Jesse Marsh, Kyle Met was the first player that Jesse Marsh, as a coach, graduated from being a homegrown to a pro. Even four years late in a different team, that creates a bond between a coach and a player. That become that creates something that's going to be there for forever, for for their career at least on both sides. So I think that's why we met as a Red Bull right now. And yes, he did what he had to do when he got there on the field, but uh, that relationship was created because of the homegrown and the first coach, and it was special for both of them. A new coach, a new player. That explains we met's uh, situation with the Red Bulls. Yeah, but meanwhile, we talked about it in the last segment when you're looking at like uh, Alderson for used to be a Whitecaps Academy, one of their first graduates. He's struggling around in the fourth tier of German football right now because uh, Bryce Alderson, I'm talking about, because he couldn't find another MLS gig. And, and part of that was because obviously Montreal and Toronto didn't have a need for him. Um, and the rest of MLS, he has to reach a different level of threshold. Uh, Marsh believes that Wamet is worth an international spot. He thinks very highly of this player. There's very few Canadian Academy grads that are going to be seen the same way. Now, they do have the USL team now that they can stick around with for a certain amount of time, so they're not necessarily going to be cut when they're 20 anymore, but they're still going to be facing tough decisions when they're 21, 22, and sometimes, especially when you're talking about goalkeepers, defenders, and I'm thinking of guys like like Roberts or or any of the keepers, really. Like they're going to reach a point where do they want to continue making ten thousand dollars a year and being a keeper? Or like there has to come a point where push has to come to shove, right? And without mm-hmm. a Canadian league in the picture, um, I'm just not sure whether they're going to get that opportunity. And to to answer my own question, to to bring this back to MLS, no, it wouldn't be enough for me for for MLS to simply offer Canadians as domestic league wide. It's like too late for that at this particular time. That should have been there forever in my mind. But regardless, even if they were to offer it now, you're still probably talking suddenly you still only have nine guaranteed spots until the Canadian quota goes up in Canada. Um, We'll talk a bit about the quota in a minute, I believe. But you're probably only adding some. You're adding some spots, but you're probably only adding maybe five, six, up to maybe ten more players might get a shot. And that's good. Any amount more is good, but it wouldn't necessarily be like the floodgates opening, right? The only way the floodgates open is if you have strict Canadian quotas in a Canadian league. And then you're opening up suddenly instead of having maybe ten more professional opportunities for Canadian players, you're having 70 or 80 or 90, right? At least there's more potentially there. And then you still have to prove yourself because not because you're considered uh, local or non-foreign or uh, your own identity tag as Canadian, whatever the case could be if they decide to do that. Well, you still need to get that spot because an American can still get it. So you still have to be better than somebody else. But at least you don't have to be better than everybody else. Yeah, to me, look, let's be honest here for a second. Like, they start the Canadian League in 2017 as as being rumored. Um, that's We're saying eight teams, 75% Canadian is what the quota level I've heard. Uh, there's probably rosters of, of 20 per team, say. So you're looking at 15 Canadian spots times eight. What's 15 times eight, Kevin? Do, do a little math here for me um, while I continue 100, to talk. 104, 120? Yeah, somewhere around that. Math. We're, we're we're we talk in the radio. Uh, we don't or on podcasts. We don't do math, right? Uh, <laughs> anyway, I'm pretty confident it's close to 100. Yeah, 120, yeah, I, 130 between there. If I wasn't talking, I could probably figure it out. But at exactly. any rate, yeah, yeah, it's it's in the hundreds. So that's 100 spots. Now that doesn't necessarily mean that suddenly the Canadian national team pool is being expanded by 100 positions because most of those players aren't going to be good enough for the Canadian national team. But what it will do, and what's more important, and why I think the Canadian league is so vital, is it will take that generation of 17, 18-year-olds now and suddenly have this professional task with guys that are five, six, seven years older, and especially when the league continues on to 2018, 2019, 2020, they have a few years of professional experience under the time. They're pushing these kids to get better at a younger age. That's where you're going to see it start to, to pay dividends in the years down the road. 
I think that combined with MLS offering Canadians as domestics would be great. But I think if that Canadian league is there, suddenly that issue is no longer as pressing anymore. Um, Kevin, that, that brings us to Jonathan's overall point, which is whether he believes that he, that the TSN and the CSA have some leverage against MLS, that they could demand this within a TV negotiations uh, to get MLS on uh, TSN moving forward. Now, that's there's a lot of things at play there, and you have to understand whether TSN wants that contract, how much is it worth, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I, I just don't know, and I, I, I say this to Jonathan, so I'm not speaking out of turn or speaking behind his back when I say this. I'm just not sure it's that much on TSN's radar. Do you think that that's something that TSN would care about? I don't think TSN has, even if they do care, I don't think they have the leverage to do so. I don't think, especially with a contract that's coming out of term soon, you're losing your leverage each day that goes by. So I don't think uh, TSN is in a position towards either MLS or the CSA per se to be uh, to ask any demands. They don't even have to show it. So that's what I'm thinking is uh, whatever they're doing, they see it more as them helping the other party and not the other way around. Yeah. What I said to Jonathan on Monday on Soccer Morning is that I think that there would be another demand as part of that, and that would have to do with markets. TSN would not only want Canadians in in MLS, more Canadians in MLS, and I think that they do. They would ideally like that. And you could only look look so far as Dero, as Dwayne De Rosario, and how much more popular and omnipresent he became after he MLS became part of the Canadian landscape. Everyone suddenly knew who Dero was. Everyone knew that Dero was the MLS MVP within the soccer community for sure. But even beyond that, right? Like Dero is a is Household name is a strong way to put it, but he's he's sort of in the back of people's minds within Canadian sports now, and that's not something that that's really happened that often outside of Christine Sinclair. Uh, on the men's side, it's certainly not happened much before in the past, if ever, right? And I think that has to do with with having those personalities that the media has brought up and brought to the forefront a little bit more, even though Dero. You know, you can make an argument that he's one of the better Canadian players of all time, but I don't think you can make the argument he's the best Canadian player of all time, but he is most certainly the most well-known, right? And I think that that's something that has to do with TSN pushing that and and other media sources pushing it. So there is a benefit to that. But Kevin, they're going to want another market in the league. And this is where I, I see a disconnect. I cannot see at this particular juncture... MLS, all that interested in any other Canadian market. First of all, what market do you go to? But from TSN's perspective, if they're going to move away from a Canadian League project, which I do think they have interest in because it expands the brand and allows them to have local broadcasting in, in Regina and Winnipeg and Calgary and so on and so forth, then they're yeah. going to want another team. And to be honest, that's where TSN has a, uh, is strength compared to a Sportsnet is the local region, is uh, the CFL, the local affiliate. There's a desk, uh, sports desk in many different cities in Canada. And I think that's where they would thrive with that potential C-League is they would treat it the way they treat the CFL. And the CFL has been treated as a A product and they have the ratings that go with the A product. Not at the beginning, but they build it up. And TSN builds that product. It wraps it up in great shiny productions and put it on a screen and it just looks great. And all because of that, it built that product up from basically zero 15 years ago. And now it's one of the biggest ratings they do get. And I think they could do potentially the same thing with that league. Yeah. TSN, one thing I do agree with Jonathan on is that TSN is trying to position itself as to be Canada's soccer network because, which is kind of funny and, and a full roundabout circle because in the very early years of TSN, the, the people used to, you know, derivatively call it the soccer network, TSN, right? Yeah. Because they owned, that was one of their products was the Canadian Soccer League in their early years and they used to play a lot of soccer as filler program that was cheap. Um, now they're, it's not filler or cheap anymore, but they, they absolutely have the Champions League contract. They have the FIFA contract. Uh, they have half the Premier League contract. Uh, when that comes up, and I think they're going to go for the throat of Sportsnet and, and sort of try and take it all and, and be the one place that you watch the game. Um, that plays into me to the idea of them getting behind a C-League because if you look at the ratings, and I did look at the ratings the other day, you're still getting – you know, for an MLS league, the game typically the Whitecaps get about 130, 140 thousand viewers. TFC 
Depends on the matchup. They tend to get a little bit less. Um, I have some theories behind that that have to do with geography and so on and so forth, but in popularity and lack of success in the past. But at any rate, typically the average MLS audience uh, for the two English teams is probably about 130,000, though. Um, I'm not I'm not as up on the RDS numbers. The impact don't do as well in English Canada. But the ceiling, as I see it, if you look at the big... Um, Premier League games is about 250000 now. But that's the ceiling within the soccer market. And the soccer market, Kevin, is really just the three urban centers now because they have, yeah. there is an established soccer culture in Montreal, in Vancouver, in Toronto. That's not to say, as we, we know, that we have listeners out throughout the country, but as you know, listeners outside of those bub- those uh, areas. Bubbles. No, you, you're going to say bubbles. They're bubbles. Yeah. You, you're isolated out there, right? And black hole. Hey, guys. Yeah. And I think TSN looks at the possibility of putting a team in Winnipeg and putting a team in Regina as helping to slowly build that those areas up so you get a bubble in all of those urban centers suddenly. So you're not just having the three biggest and those that 250,000 that watches Man U play Arsenal suddenly becomes... 600,000 or 700,000 and suddenly they have a product that is is rivaling their CFL numbers. So you're talking about the C League being used to build up the Premier League and the Champions League ratings, which in a way it could work. It could be the greatest thing that ever happened. Well, it's, it's to build up the soccer ratings. Yeah, in, in general, yeah, because but it doesn't mean it's correlated because me I I like more North American soccer than watching the Premiership. But that's just me. But there is, though, a, a relationship. I'm pretty sure there's a correlation. And the, there's a uh, in a Venn diagram, those two intersect. The Canadian soccer fan and the England soccer fan, There's there's it intersects somewhere in there. Yeah, and it absolutely does. Which, you know, to finish this point, uh, a couple points will go on uh, about this. I mean, you know, we'll go back to MLS expansion back into Canada. Do, did you ever see a fourth market? Calgary is the only one that I think is possible, and the reason I think it is possible is because there's money behind it, and I know there's money behind it. There has been a long process of thinking of people of Calgary that think of MLS and think that if they could get their um, football stadium expanded, then they would try and make that jump, and they're they're looking at that C, that C League probably as a stepping stone there, and that's why there's uh, there's big money interest. I've heard also that uh, – uh, Katz, the I think his name's Katz. Forgive me, I'm not as big in my hockey knowledge right now. The uh, fellow that owns the um, uh, the Oilers, oh, Kevin. Yes, I think it's Katz. Uh, I'm yeah. pretty sure it's Katz. Anyway, yeah, I've heard that he's had he's reached out to FC Edmonton and offered to buy that team again with the idea of using it as a launching point to MLS. I think these are fantasies, though. Well, we, MLS, uh, we had that confirmed with this show last week by. Uh, I'm mixing uh, it up. Where we exactly? It all intersects, yeah. but we heard about that before. Fair enough. I is. I don't know if MLS is interested in that. They still have a lot of, of areas in the U.S. that they want to cover, so I think it's a bit of a fantasy. And in the meantime, this is what the C-League is coming in for. Um, the last point I want to make is has to do with, uh, again, to go back to the TV and, to, and TSN trying to make uh, it the home of soccer, is this is when you're looking at uh, in about 40 minutes from when we're taping this, uh, we're going to watch the Canadian under-223s play, and it's either on a YouTube stream or on TLN, which is a Italian-language uh, network here in, the, here in Ontario that's uh, hard to find. It's on channel 700 of my my TV, uh, and uh, at any rate. so <laughs> You never make it up there when you're channel surfing. Well, you always da- find something to watch before you get there. Or down there, because it's standard definition, and my, my, <laughs> my HD channel started at 1,000. Um, at any rate... The point being that the CSA, I think it's imperative if they're going to work with TSN that they might start to also put a bug in their ear to try and get the Canadian national team on TSN um, down the road as well. So they're not trying to have, you know, poor Gavin talking to himself on TLN and and YouTube streams. Yeah, guys, talking to yourself is not good, but uh, we still love you, Gavin, and we we would like to have you with more production values too because you're doing the best of what you got, but... Can you imagine what he could do with everything? Wow. Fair enough. Awesome. All right. That's uh that's end this uh, conversation here. Come back and do a Canadian review. The Canadian review on the Two Solitude Sucker Podcast. And welcome back. And first off, congratulations goes out to the first Canadian team of the year to clinch playoff spot. 
None of the MLS teams got it done, but the Ottawa Fury continued their great fall season, which they still lead, with a 2-0 win over their uh, Canadian rivals, uh, FC Edmonton, where they now have clinched a playoff spot, sorry, a play-in championship spot, whatever the hell you want to call it. At any rate, uh, still a lot of season to play to try and get position to nail down that fall championship, but uh, the club announced today that tickets for the championship semifinal and final, they're being really hopeful, are going on sale tomorrow. They will be uh, starting at $35 and up. Uh, you can also buy single t- single match tickets, pardon me, for the championship semifinal, which starts at $21. The uh, kickoff times will be confirmed at a later date. The dates of those games are November 8th and November 14th. So a very condensed postseason there for them. But uh, congratulations to the Fury for getting that done, Kevin. Absolutely. And the Fury announced today as well the signing of, well, the loan of uh, Jonathan Gagnon Lapare, uh, Jonathan, Jeremy Gagnon Lapare. There's too many Jonathan in FC Montreal and Ottawa. It confuses me because JGL is loaned to Fury, but there's a couple of players that were with FC Montreal that are going back to their uh, normal club, Ottawa, uh, Emadouache, Jonathan Valley, and a third one by the name of the Jeff Day. So those three are back with Ottawa. Uh, Jonathan Valley, very Decent player, had a good season, developed a lot with FC Montreal this year. I like what I saw. He's going to help Ottawa. GGL, of course, going to get more playing time. And he's on loan, so I wouldn't be surprised to see him back next year with the impact. But who knows if he can perform and uh, do people in Ottawa like what they see. Who knows what can happen. But GGL will get more playing time in a higher level than he did this year because he mainly played in the FC Montreal in USL. Yeah, GGL, I think the impact think highly of and and this is an indication of that and it's a great example of two Canadian teams cooperating with each other for their mutual benefit Uh, the impact get to test their player at a higher level uh, the Fury get a good, young, talented Canadian kid that uh, in the Canadian thing I think is secondary right now. I think they just think he's useful to them as depth for this uh, this postseason run. And uh, JGL himself gets to test himself more. I, I think that this is clear indication that the Impact have him in their plans. Uh, they're not loaning out other kids, right? Like the, this is the one that they're, they're trying to get more time and to look at uh, at a higher level to really seriously decide whether he's going to be part of uh, the Impact's 28-man um, uh, roster next year. Kevin. No, when you have Patrice Bernier having trouble pursing the lineup in uh, the big club at the Montreal Impact, it's a congested midfield. So GGL was not going to, let's be honest with each other, GGL was not going to get playing time for the end of the season or in the playoffs. So if Montreal makes the playoffs. So it's a good move and he's going to help Ottawa and he's going to, like you say, challenge himself. But if he gets some playing time in the playoff or postseason, the championship, call it whatever you like, the championship. He's going to bring that experience with him to the big club, too. So that's important as well. Yeah. Just to go back to the cooperation thing, I think that it would be a mistake for Ottawa to ever like officially affiliate themselves with Montreal because yeah. I think Ottawa views itself as a competitor with Montreal, not not like a lesser uh, level. But I think it also makes sense for both clubs to be cooperative to each other and, and for Ottawa to be cooperative with Toronto as well because it's just geography makes a lot of sense. And if there's a way to mutually benefit each other, then then I think that we should uh, support that and, and hope to see more of that moving forward, Kevin. Absolutely. Moving forward as well, we had a team that could qualify and could as well help another team qualify, but uh, both didn't happen. One job, Kevin. You had one job. <laughs> I not me, Dwayne. I didn't have anything to do, but yeah, they had one job. Well, a Canadian scored, but it was on the wrong team and for the wrong reasons. Yeah, Kyle Lauren got the goal there. 2-1 uh, Orlando victory over the Montreal Impact. I was at a pub post-game at uh, TFC where we uh, had gathered around it. We Actually, we, funny story. We found out that TVA is, in fact available on Canadian television or on Ontario televisions. We discovered this in the uh, 50th minute after we had watched the most of the first half on an iPhone 4S, which at a pub is not the most ideal screen to be watching it on about uh, what? Especially if you're the sixth one deep, you're not seeing yeah. anything. Yeah, I did two, two, uh, two goals that are two inches by one inch or whatever the hell it is. Uh, anyway, uh, the impact... They didn't play great, I thought. Uh, a very depleted roster for the Impact. It's not lie to each other. A roster that was without Piatti, uh, without a couple of injuries, without uh, timing, was players returning from injury. Those, It wasn't the type A squad for the Impact. And Piatti is back with the club, so I think that's a good news. Yeah, I think that is the best news right now. In terms of the playoff push, it, it would remain a merit. First off, we'll talk about TFC in a minute, but... 
Montreal still has the games in hand. Um, I'm just trying to get the schedule up here. I believe it is two games in hand in Orlando. Am I correct? I believe so, yes. They do play this Wednesday uh, against the Red Bulls. not going to be easy, but it's one of those game in hands that were pushed back because of the CONCACAF Champions League run. But I do believe, yes, that they have uh, two games in hand on Orlando still. Orlando yeah. has two left, two games remaining. That's all. Yeah, I'm looking at this right now. Orlando City has played uh, uh, 32 games. Montreal has played 30 games. Uh, the points per game right now, Montreal is at 1.4. Uh, they were briefly above TFC on their points per game. They have now slipped below them. TFC is at 1.448 or 1.48. So it's not it's less than a single tenth of a point behind, but um, still right there. Yeah, we're looking at it's it's a virtual tie for third through uh, fifth. Point four seven, one four seven, one four seven. DC can still slip out, Dwayne. That's the thing. Yeah, well, know. TFC actually now has the third best points per game in, in MLS after being sixth best, or in the East after being sixth best going into next weekend. That tells you how close things are. Yep. Um, and DC United with their win goes to one point five. Um, Montreal's magic number, just real quick here, is uh, still five. So uh, if they were to drop the game against New York, uh, it's not even panic time yet, although they might get a little bit more nervous if that were to happen. They are only one point behind uh, or ahead of Orlando, I should say, on the red line right now. But again, those two two games in hand really distort, uh, distort things when you're looking at it. Exactly. And any combination of a win for the Montreal Impact this week so either midweek or in the weekend and a loss by Orlando this weekend or a draw by Orlando this weekend will clinch a playoff spot so uh, there's a lot of possibilities that the impact could clinch a playoff spot this week yeah Orlando has 41 points they could get uh six more so they can get to 47 Montreal is on 42 so obviously they six is their magic number they need to get to 48 um all right Toronto FC is at Sorry, they get 47, so they only need uh, five more points. Or Toronto FC, we can move to that game. Yep. Game now, the 3-1 victory over Philadelphia. Pretty comprehensive. Philadelphia was a pretty depleted and depressed team coming <laughs> off the firing. Of the- I think depressed is the right word. Yeah, they're dreadful. And and TFC, look, there's nothing to celebrate about their three-game winning streak right now, but there's nothing to be dismissive about either. They needed to get those nine points. They got those nine points. And the fact of the matter is, every other team gets to play those teams at home too. It just so happened that Toronto got to play them at the end. So I, I, I get frustrated with people that want to just completely dismiss the importance of it. Like I said, every team gets the opportunity to play those teams at home. Toronto took advantage of them. They should be given credit for that. But at the same time, no one wants to like go, okay, well, MLS Cup, here we come. We're on a three-game win streak. That's clearly not the case. Uh, They do now have a very tough end of their schedule with Columbus and New York ahead of them um, and Montreal, obviously, to end the season as well. That said, you know, they only need one more point from from those nine points available. It would be a colossal collapse from here, and it would also involve Orlando winning their last two games and Montreal getting uh, five points from their last four games. And knowing MLS as we do, Nobody ever goes into the playoff hot if you're not named the LA Galaxy. What, is that, what does that mean? Probably Orlando's not going to win out. That's basically what it means because they need to play NYCFC. NYCFC will be forever linked with Orlando. And if they lose and Orlando qualifies because they won against New York, it's not going to play well with NYCFC. And now they're starting to play well with Lampard and Perlo gelling together, company with Vila. Uh, you're seeing it now. So that I wouldn't be surprised if New York just beats Orlando and just closes the question. Yeah, that's a, a week from Friday is the Friday night game there. Um, New York City right now on 37 points or four points for Orlando. Both game, both teams have two games in hand. So I would suspect that uh, within the uh, confines of NYCFC, they're looking at the game and looking at the possibility of bypassing Orlando as their goal for the rest of the season. So that will be no cakewalk either. I was asked on Soccer Morning today whether the all three MLS teams would, uh, Canadian MLS teams would make the playoffs. I said yes, without hesitation. I think it's pretty much set there. Uh, the question remains whether one of them will host a home playoff game. That's something that is still a question, Kevin, because the Whitecaps are struggling right now. A draw on the weekend against a, a team that probably just needed a bit more in the San Jose Earthquakes, uh, they're still pretty safe on the playoff front. They're five points up. It would take they would need to lose all three of their remaining games, which I don't think they will, uh, to really even have a chance of missing out. Even then, I, I think that it's probably unlikely. Uh, that said, 
the idea that they're going to that the idea of their, that they're going to host a home playoff game is much more precarious. It's only two points on that. No, yeah, exactly. And if you go to the Eastern Conference for Toronto and Montreal, it's looking more and more precarious for either of them to host a playoff spot. So I think Vancouver is still the best shot for a Canadian to host that game. But. Yeah, I think if Toronto were to win two of their last three, that they, yeah, will, a shot, well, yeah. they will host a team game. But that would be a very tough ask for them to do. I think the, more, the most likely scenario looking at this, as it's the point total that I've been saying for two months now, Kevin, is 50. And... Four points out of those nine that are available doesn't look so weird now, does it, folks? Anyway, um, that I think would put them probably in at fifth, which would mean that they would be playing either New England or, or Columbus. I suspect maybe D.C. as well in that one game playoff game, unfortunately, on the road, which is going to be a tough, tough thing for TFC, who has been terrible, dreadful on the road for the last little stretch. Uh, um, just before we wrap up quickly, Dwayne, we mentioned it earlier on this show, but it's a great occasion. And I'll say it again. Wandry Lefebvre called up to the Canadian national team. He was, he has been a ceremony for a citizen, Canadian citizen earlier this summer at Stad Saputo. And now he's representing Canada on the pitch. It's a great moment. It's uh, great to see a kid that, uh, well, a kid, he's not a kid anymore. I know, but he has studied here, become a citizen. And now he's going to represent the country. Yeah, that is a good story. I mean, just to finish on Montreal, the problem is obvious. Uh, if you look at their goals for, it's their goals against is wonderful. Their goals for is 42 right now, which is the second worst in the East among or the West amongst their playoff teams. Take out the Drogba goals, they're in trouble. Yeah, they would be uh, third worst amongst playoff teams right now if they were to make the playoffs. Of the 12 teams in the playoffs, the, the Whitecaps would have the third worst goal for, goals for average right there. That's their problem. They need to address that. And I think the Whitecaps, as I said on other shows, need to... Uh, you do address that in the offseason with a, a big name DP. I think that's the I know they pride themselves on that team concept, but I think that it's pretty clear to me anyway that the uh, Salt Lake model of the past, which I believe is kind of where the Whitecaps are trying to follow, is not going to win it in MLS 3.0. And, you know, I think the Whitecaps are going to have to open the bank and spend a couple million dollars to bring in a striker. If they do that, they're dangerous. So that's that's what I have to say about the Whitecaps this week, Kevin. All right. Let's uh, briefly touch on the U23s as uh, as you know, I mean, I'm looking at the time right now and I pretty much have to turn my TV on. Uh, so we can't talk about the Cuba game, but we can talk about the Panama game, which uh, which happened Saturday. Um, an important win for Canada coming off the 3-1 loss to, to the U.S. Um, where they, they looked good at times. And we said that last week. They were possessing the ball well. And part of that was the U.S. giving up possession. But to go in and get that must win against a team that they uh, struggled to score against in the in the Pan Am games, I think, is, uh, is something that should give us a little bit of hope. Um, Canadian fans are apt to be panicky about tonight's game. By the time you listen to this, it'll be over. Uh, so I could sound like a fool when I say this, but I think that it would be a very unfortunate loss if they were to lose to Cuba. And uh, even if they were, were to lose to Cuba, then that would still be reliant upon the U.S. to blow it to a Panama, which I can't see happening. So we're looking at a one game to go to the Olympic scenario for the third cycle in a row, Kevin. That's good. Can they win it for once? That's a different question because it will probably be Mexico. But at least this time, Kevin, they will get a third-place opportunity against likely Honduras to go on and play Colombia. And that's, you know, as long as they keep going. And I know that everyone looks at that and says, oh, well, they'll never do it. To me, as long as they keep getting chances to play those games, that's a good thing. And maybe, you know, the blind nut, the blind squirrel will get the nut maybe once. Hey, and if we have to beat Honduras and qualify, hey, maybe that heals that wound a little bit. All right, Kevin. Tomorrow night, Montreal, New York, for maybe a chance for a playoff eventually if Orlando loses. Tonight, like we we're just saying, in 20 minutes, Canada, Cuba, U23 qualifying CONCACAF for the Rio 2016 Olympics. And until then, Friday, 2S Extra, have a great soccer.